This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. everyone. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm a little stuffy today, getting that fall cold, so it makes me sound like Barry White, something pretty sexy, or it just makes me sound sick. Either or. Anyways, the guest this week is, man, I'm so excited about this one, Dennis Lixon from Invasion, or Envision. I don't know how to say his new band's name, but I'm going to say Invasion. Drop some vowels. You spell it I-N-V-S-N. And some of you may know him from a little band called Refused. I don't know. Maybe. And he also sings for a hardcore band called AC4. More on him in one moment. Let's get some business out of the way. Propertyofzack.com. Visit that website. Find out about who is touring through your city. Who is releasing a new record. What cool stuff is happening behind the scenes of your favorite music scene. That way, you will be in the know and become a smarter person. Check them out. They appreciate it. I appreciate it. Become educated. Then, if you are feeling ever so generous about the show and you are liking the regular content that I'm bringing you, I would appreciate it if you dove into the iTunes store and wrote some sentences about the show, you know, a little review, or if you just feel like dropping some stars as far as the quality of the show that you feel, one star, two star, three star, four star, or I would prefer five stars, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that on you. You tell me what you think this is worth. And it's free, so you can't complain too much about it. Yes, and we are also a part of the How We Are Podcast Network with some other amazing shows that you should check out. Stuff you will hate podcast, let's talk about feelings and nothing to write home about. All of those are really good shows, and you should also be checking them out because they put out a new show once a week. Others are a little more sporadic. You should check it out nonetheless. So I wanted to talk about a very uplifting, transcendent musical experience I had recently. As I mentioned on some previous shows, I am just diving headfirst into soundtracks, which sounds kind of weird, but a previous guest of the show, uh, Spencer Hickman, he runs a label called Death Waltz Records. That kind of started my love for soundtracks. And, you know, his label focuses on horror slash cult movies. And uh, there's a lot of other labels that have jumped up around that. But it's just opened up my supreme love for that medium and the way that that music is contained. Something that I had been very excited about for quite some time was a band called Goblin. Now, some of you may have no fucking clue what I'm talking about, and that's good because it's weird shit. (laughs) But uh, so for those of you who are fans of the zombie movie genre, Dawn of the Dead, your Night of the Living Dead, George Romero, classic zombie movies. There was a burgeoning zombie movie scene in Italy and all throughout Europe, but more specifically Italy. And some of these directors, in particular, a guy named Dario Argento, uh, he enlisted this band to score a lot of his movies for 20 plus years. Um, and they were so versatile that they could do a horror movie soundtrack, they could do, you know, a suspenseful soundtrack, a western soundtrack, they could play whatever music you wanted. And they were called Goblin. They didn't really play out live very much or at all hardly and they announced their first u.s tour earlier this year and i got to witness one of their shows and it was amazing because they basically played against a movie screen that kind of showed clips from some of their famous soundtracks and i don't know it was one of those things where it was just like fuck this is unbelievable this is such a a unique experience and it just kind of reminded me why i love music so much it just it takes you out of Everything you are currently experiencing heightens reality. I don't know. It was just such a such a transcendent experience. Like I walked away. I mean, they played for over two hours, and I walked away feeling just like elated, like high. Even though I don't do drugs, 
I felt like, you know, this state of euphoria where it was just like, I can't even believe I just witnessed that. Needless to say, it just got me so stoked. And I had to share that with you because it, it's just, you know, the power of music. That's why we're all here. That's why I am talking to you because you care about independent music in some fashion. So thank you for listening to me babble about music. But it was just such a man. I had to tell you about that. Dennis Lixon. Holy shit. An incredible guy has been involved in independent music for a very long time. He is out promoting his new band, his new record. They're on tour in the States right now, or just wrapping it up with Minus the Bear. And the new stuff is amazing. Like, Dennis is such a prolific musician where he puts out so many different things with so many different sounds. And uh, this new stuff kind of has a, you know, Joy Division, Interpol, post-punk sort of thing. And it's awesome. I love it. So I set this up through a publicist, and anytime I do that, I'm always like, oh, man, this could just be stale. I just don't want to do your average interview. And uh, Dennis was just, you know, I felt like we could have talked for like two or three hours, and I I, I felt like I couldn't go any further because, you know, I respect people's time. I'm not going to sit there and just, you know, babble at them. So this was definitely riding the line between me being a fanboy (laughs) and me just trying to get this honest interview conversation out of the way. It's just always weird trying to put myself in that mind frame of like, man, I can't geek out too hard (laughs) with him about this stuff. So here's my talk with Dennis. We did this over Skype because he's in Sweden and I wasn't able to meet up with him in person. So uh, check it out and I will talk to you basically all the stuff that you've done obviously ending with your your latest project um and so and so yeah we'll 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 go through it so but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take you back in time i'm gonna give you my first my my first my first introduction to you as a musical human being (laughs) which was i live in southern california so i'm gonna take you back to probably 1995 at the showcase theater in uh corona california uh Yes, I, I'm gonna. I think it was. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain that you were on tour with Snapcase, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's. I mean, I think I was about 14 years old at the time, 14 or 15, and uh, I didn't. You know, the only music that I was consuming was like, you know, Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Like, I didn't. I wasn't going into the deep cuts of Victory Records. Um, yeah. and, and so I didn't even stay to see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, like, I mean, when I say stay, I mean, I, I showed up late and I missed you guys because I think you were first right. or second. So, uh, I think it was second man on Nine Iron Spitfire was the first band. It was nineteen ninety six. There you go, ninety six. Yeah. You're right. You yeah, yeah. that that was your first tour of the states, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. What was uh, you know, your the first impressions that you got when you came to the States, because you you guys were doing a fairly large tour. Was it just really surreal yeah. to be in, in the States and playing with all these great bands? It was very surreal. I mean, I mean, we toured a bit in Europe and, and you know, we met Snapcase a year before we did European tour with them. So we knew we knew those guys. And but we had no uh, I mean, in Europe, you tour and like the clubs are pretty it was, it's pretty well organized. Like I, mean, I think, you know, the Snapcase tour we did in 95 with them was in the like nightliner bus and mm. you know you get fed at all the places and, and people take good care of you so coming to the states getting in a van and just like after the shows just sitting there by the march table going can we sleep at your place can we sleep at your place and then we end up to, at some rich kid's house <laughs> and um talking about politics every night and people booing us and people getting pissed off because we were too political it was a surreal experience front to back you know it was like right. one of those weird things like coming to the states Growing up in Sweden and as a huge consumer of pop culture, there's so much about America that I know about right. before you get there. You know, you see the movies, you listen to the music, and and it was it, it was a bit surreal the first time first time over there. And, and that tour was pretty crazy. There's like some drama involved, and and we weren't really getting along with the Snapcase guys. I mean, the perfectly fine people and mm. but we were very com- uh, confrontational and super political and right. fucking angry and, and uh, a lot of people didn't take too well with that it was like a weird as crusty as period as well we were all very wearing like profane existence t-shirts and <laughs> right we were, we were kind of weirdly i mean you know we sympathize with more like the 
you know, we were on victory records and you know what that entitled at that time. And then we were sympathizing with like the heart attack scene and the abolition scene and, you know, all those like more noisy, emo political bands. And, and we came out on tour with Snapcase and we play shows with Strife and Earth Crisis and stuff like that. And it was, it was, it was a bit weird to us because we were on that label. That was our chance to tour the States, but we didn't really, we always fit in with those bands. Right. It was, it was, it was a cool tour. You know, you know, a cool thing about, uh, you know, touring the States in 1996 and doing that thing. Sarah that plays in Invasion, she toured the States in 1995. So okay. She, she has, yeah, with the, her band, The Donuts. If right. You that. Oh, do I remember The Donuts? Come on. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> was, she was in The Donuts. Right, Sarah right. was in The Donuts. And now she, we play in the same band. Yeah. Again. Again, yeah. yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't leave her. I <laughs> know, <laughs> of course not. She's uh, one of the true original, like old school, hardcore people from our hometown. She's like, she started her first band like ninety one. She's just always played in bands. Well, yeah, I, 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 cool, yeah. yeah, no, I remember. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny. You're, it's it's funny to put that tour in context uh, for mm. because. You know, obviously, so many so many bands from the states they tour Europe, and they're like, "Oh, I never want to tour the states again because they actually, you actually, yeah. like you said, you get taken care of." And then you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then you flip it from your perspective, where it's like, "Oh, wow, we just have to eat shit for like four weeks and just figure yeah, yeah. just figure it out." And it's like that's yeah. usually it's the other way around for American bands, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, and and it's it's not. I mean, now it's a bit better, I guess, but it's like. And there was also a period of time where very few Swedish bands and very few European bands got the chance to come to the States. Because, I mean, you know, honestly, there's so many bands from the States that are touring the States. So the last thing you need is a bunch of Swedes coming over, and it's kind of expensive with the flights and yada, yada, you know. And, yeah. and so it, it was a weird time. I mean, it's a bit better now, that aspect of touring. But it, but it's still like uh, you know we're from Sweden. It's like you, right. there, there are a lot of people in your country that has no real concept of Swedenness. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's in Europe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean that's the thing too. I mean, you know, not not to you know diss the Americans, but but a yeah. lot of times people walk up to me and they say, "Man, I love Europe," and I'm like, "That's <laughs> just kind of weird." I mean, I live in the north of Sweden. It's it's. It's like the opposite of going to Greece. It's like you know, yeah. it's like Europe's like one big country. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, no, no. It's well, yeah. It's basically like yeah, people. You know, it's the same view as like Canadians have, where it's like you know, people. You know, the the west coast of Canada is completely different than the east coast of Canada, but it's just Canada. It's just one big it's thing. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the scene around you guys started to build because it's like I, I definitely remember after you guys came over here and then after um you know other record labels started to put out bands from Sweden it was it was this thing especially in the late nineties especially within you know the the independent punk and hardcore scene where it was like dude there's all this shit happening in Sweden that's just like mind blowing like it's across the board it's bands like you know, obviously what you guys were doing and obviously what Donuts were doing. And then you had like, you know, Fireside and like Kent and like all this weird stuff coming through where it was like, you know, what, what is all happening over there? And I think that's, you know, you guys definitely helped uh, at least bring it to the States from like a heavy music perspective. Cause none of those other bands really toured the States. But I mean, later they did, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, Sweden's been pretty, I mean, for being a European country, it's always been pretty, synonymous with like good quality and, and bands you know making it over and and like i think uh, i mean you should say this but i think it has something to do with the viking heritage that mm-hmm. we, <laughs> we we like to go out there and, <laughs> and conquer and pillage and plunder and uh, you know sure make our way uh into other parts of the world like conquerors of some sort so i think that has something to do with it <laughs> yeah yeah you're 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 spreading the musical gospel as it were <laughs> Yeah, at this time, you know. <laughs> yeah, you yourself were you were you born and raised in Umea? Yeah, well, outside, just in in the sticks outside of Umea. Yeah. Okay, and what was your, uh, you know, what, what was your family structure like? Do you have brothers and sisters, and uh, what were your? Uh... I, yeah, I, I got two two brothers and one sister, and my working class family. My dad was like a traveling salesman, you know, just like uh, normal working class parents. And mm-hmm. I grew up. My, my dad listened to a lot of rock music. Mm-hmm. He, uh, when I was young, so my my first records I stole from his record collection. <laughs> um, but they're not musical. It's kind of funny. Like my my family's 
my, my mom and dad are great, but they're totally apolitical and non-musical. And then we have we're three brothers, and all three of us play in bands, and all three of us play music, and you know, been a part of like the local punk scene for the past fifteen, twenty years. All three of us, which is kind of right. kind of fun. Because so so basically, all, all all three of you guys were are into like you know punk and hardcore and independent music. How did uh, how did yeah, your yeah. how did your parents react when you guys started to uh, you know like you said put, put on your profane existence t shirts and have your all your patches on and all that type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. becoming vegan. Yeah, right, uh, exactly. At first, you know, I, I guess they thought it was some sort of face that we were going to outgrow, and then. I think if, as they saw that, like, Refused was uh, becoming a real band and actually touring the States and, touring, you know, like, they, they realized this is something that they're actually going to do for real. And mm. now my, my parents are uh, immensely proud of all three of us. And, I mean, my dad, uh, my dad has a T-shirt where it says, I'm Dennis and Refused Dad. So. Oh, my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does he? Does he wear? It's a bit shirt? awkward for me sometimes, but he, <laughs> he's he's proud. You know, he's like he's one of those proud dads. Like he he called me up. Uh, there's a there's a TV show in in Umeå that that goes nationally across Sweden, uh-huh. and they called me up when like two years ago, and they said, "Do you want to play with Invasion at this TV show?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll play it because they have your musical guests." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course we'll play." I mean, it's in Umeå, so we'll just we'll pop on up and two weeks and we play and and i call my dad and i'm like dad like we're playing this tv show and my dad just starts snickering and then says yeah i know i'm like really i'm like and he starts laughing i'm like you did not call the tv show and tell him to book us and he's like yes i did <laughs> so he's the that's how he operates that's, that, that, yeah <laughs> he's just very excited yeah <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing for him to be yeah. you know to be able to experience that because it's like the thing that I always find so funny is when, you know, like you were saying, when you start to get into it, your parents look at you and are just like, oh, man, I just hope he doesn't hurt himself. And then yeah. but then when you do the full circle where it's like, OK, I can actually make something that is lasting and impactful and hopefully will be able to make a living for myself. And I, I think that's yeah. when it, that's when it switches where parents are like, oh, and then that's when it turns into yeah. your dad making a T-shirt. <laughs> saying that <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i mean i mean sometimes it's still like this discrepancy between like his way of what success is and my idea what success is because i mean for him he's a working class guy and he worked super super hard so he could buy a nice car and then he worked super hard so he could buy a nice house for my pa- my family mm-hmm. and 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 i've always like i never had any money I always just been kind of like you know but but I've been living life the way I've always wanted to live my life. So some sometimes he looks at me and he's like, "So Dennis, when are you gonna write a hit song?" Yeah. And I'm just like, "But it's not that's not why I'm into music." And he's like, "Okay," because he he's still you know like for him success is still something like when you make a lot of money that's when you're really successful. Right. But I um, mean they're they're super proud of of um, all three of us that, like we're playing music and we're doing stuff and they they come to all our shows and they're super supportive. So it's, it's cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because yeah. it's always it's always difficult. Like I said at the beginning, for them to uh, to to put it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- just put it in context for them, where it's like, you know, I, I think it's funny with like the straight edge. It's like, I mean, I remember when I first started to go to shows and play in bands, and then my parents, like, once they kind of found out what straight edge was, they were like, okay, that gave them a lo- that gave them a little sense of relief, but everything else was still way too weird. I, I think though, for me, like, I mean, the, the whole straight edge thing. I think with my parents and, and the, the parental generation. Because cause for me, like, I got into strategy and I, I, got, I became very political. Mm-hmm. And I became, you know, like an outspoken loudmouth. And I think that uh, to, to be strategy, to be vegetarian or vegan, was such an all-out attack on everything that the, like, adult cultural had to offer us. So I think in a lot of ways, I think a lot of grown-ups got really um, offended like mm-hmm. young kids saying, like, I don't want to be part of your culture. Your culture, everything about your culture sucks. Right. So at first, I think, I mean, even the whole straightest thing, as you said, one sense of relief, but it's also like, wait, it's kind of an all-out attack on us. So I yeah. think a lot of uh, that generation was really threatened by the fact that we're doing things completely the opposite, yeah. which was kind of interesting. But, you know, it's it, it's... I guess it's for parents, it's always like a weird situation when your kids are rebelling. And I mean, for me, it was like the ultimate rebellion to be like, I'm not going to fall into the, the, the culture of drinking and 
the culture of meat eating and the culture of working a dead end job are just going to be completely different. And I think they felt that was uh, a yeah. first. It's like and, a yeah, know. it's like a person. It's like a personal yeah. attack. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, wh- when did you start to notice that um, the you know the, the scene that you guys obviously worked so hard to kind of build over the years started to have like kind of an impact? Uh, you know, globally, where it's like, you know, was it the first tour of the States where you started to realize like, oh, wow, people paid attention to what we did and we didn't think that was the case? Um, no, not so, not so much. I mean, I mean, when we did the first tour, I mean, our record just, uh, Exams of Fan of Flames just came out and right. you don't really, I mean, no one really knew who we were. Like a few people in the scene were like, ah, oh, these guys are kind of cool. But I don't think, it, I mean, you know, in, in Europe we were like, uh, in Europe we were like, Semi big in a very small uh, subculture. Right. So we feel that there was some sort of impact, and there's a bunch of Swedish bands, and me and some friends. We had this record label called Desperate Fight, and some of those bands were were actually doing all right over in Europe. So you could feel a bit of impact. But I mean, the biggest impact for us was in Sweden. That it, it really changed the cultural landscape of what was going on at home. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until like after, I mean, after Refuse broke up, that's where you realized that what we did up here and, and the music that we created actually affected music in, in the States and, and mm-hmm. all over the world, I guess. But it wasn't until we, because I mean, even the, the second tour we did when we broke up. Yeah. I mean, that was like, we played like 10 shows and it was like coffee shops, record stores, basements, yep. Yep. art spaces. It wasn't, wasn't really like, we didn't even play clubs. No. It, it was just like really random, crusty places. Right. And like, then we'd break up and then like, People called me and were like, well, your videos on MTV. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're like, we're like this semi big band, and we're like, well, we're broken up. We left the States and went home. So it was, it was not until like later when when we actually realized that. Right. It had some sort of impact, you know. Because I, I remember you guys were booked. I think the place you were booked to play out here in Southern California was a place called the PCH Club, which is exa- all those things you were describing is exactly what it was. It was like you know you could fit a hundred yeah. people in there, and so yeah, like yeah. there was no illusions of grandeur. I mean, you were touring with Frodus. It's no. like, <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that was our first mistake. No, I'm just kidding. But I know. They're I know. great. They're, they're, we, we tour with them in Europe, and they're, they're great people. And they're like, well, we'll set up a tour in the states for you guys. And yeah. You're like sure, it was what it was. It was like a super crusty punk tour, yeah. and uh, we already burned ourselves out on touring, and we we didn't like each other. And then we came over to the states, and we was like, "Wow, this is not great." <laughs> and then, yeah. then we broke up and went home. Yeah, right, I'll see you later. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's funny you mentioning uh, you know like all of the. Uh, all the criticism that you were getting when you first toured the states, and obviously, like all the political beliefs and the you know the fact that you guys weren't shy about sharing it. I just remember when obviously the international noise conspiracy started to you know make an impact over here in the states, and that's exactly the sort of reaction that people had initially with you guys too. It's funny that that lasted to that band as well, where it's like people were just like, "Shut the fuck up! Why don't you guys play the play those play the dancing music and stop talking." Yeah. Like was that? Did yeah, you know, yeah. did you notice that too? Where it was like, oh gosh, we're, we're, did you know? Was it like getting worse, or was it like just as bad as the first tour you did? It wasn't as hostile as on the first refuse tour. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it was definitely like I mean, there's a sense of um, you know, I guess there's a sense when 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 a foreign band comes to town and tells you how to run your political system that <laughs> some people can take that the wrong way mm-hmm. and i mean you know as you said also like um, for a lot of people music is some sort of uh you know escapism they just want to have a good time they don't want some fucking sweden type pants talking about like <laughs> political structures that's just not right that's just not why they went to the bar that night we refused we came from like the the, the victory straight edge hardcore kind of scene and mm-hmm. we became that political band and with north coast Pierce, we we um from the get-go, we were just like, we were a super radical bunch of socialist anarchists, like from the first song we put out. Right. So I think it was easier for a lot of people to accept that with Noise Conspiracy. And I mean, we started playing kind of different kind of music because we wanted to maybe have a broader appeal and not be so stuck in, in a scene. And, you mm-hmm. know, so but I think by the end with Noise Conspiracy, it wasn't like when people came out to see us play, they, they knew what we were about. They were like, oh, it's fucking... Pinkos from Sweden, and most people were fine with that. I mean, you know, sometimes you we open up 
did a tour of the offspring. And right. We played, in, we played in Lubbock, Texas, and I started bashing George Bush, and it was not a pretty song. Yeah. I must say. Yeah. People are not impressed by the Swedes. I mean, no. I also remember um, we did a tour um, just a couple of months after 9-11, we did a tour of the States. You know, being the, the political outspoken person that I am and the band that we were, we wanted to address what just happened. And I, I, our... our um, you know, what we said between the songs are pretty nuanced and pretty like we talked about the fact that you, you got to see that there's a reason why this happened and maybe not America's response should not be to put on the cowboy hat and go to war some more innocent people lose their lives. That was, it was kind of a very uh, balanced take on 9-11. Right. But yeah, people were angry. Right. People were screaming that we were fucking Taliban's and get the fuck out of America. <laughs> we got nasty a couple of times. But sure. Well, I, I, mean, I you remember those shows, you know? Yeah. Oh no. Uh, yeah, for sure. You, you, those are things you don't forget. I just, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I always distinctly remember the idea of people, and this kind of leads into my next question, where it was like the or the next topic of the idea that you know you yourself, like obviously you've been a part of so many musical outfits, varying across the board from obviously like abrasive hardcore to what you're doing with AC4, and then obviously what you're doing now with you know Invasion. Yeah. You've largely, I mean, you're going to have critics, and people are obviously, uh, you know, going to, like you said, uh, you know, call bullshit on you and whatever. Um, but you've largely been able to kind of remain that sort of credibility, you know, where it's just like, oh, it's not like Dennis Lixon is a fucking idiot and we can't support anything he's doing in the future. Um, because I think that already would have happened. You couldn't have had all these bands <laughs> and people been like, you know, do you. <clears throat> Is it one of those things where you basically just ignore the criticism as far as like, oh, cool, Refuse is getting back together and is getting paid a million dollars? Like, is it one of those things you just like ignore that shit and are just like, whatever, we're doing it for ourselves and that's it? Yeah, I mean, I've been called a sellout since like 1994 (laughs) (laughs) in in so many various like, uh, you know, shapes and forms that after a while you're just like, well, this is who I am. This is kind of what I believe in. This is what I want to do. You know, this is. This is what's going to, when I get on the stage when I record a record, this is what's going to happen. And um, no amount of criticism is going to change that. And I think that most of the times you don't pay attention, you don't care. And most of the times uh, you, that's the way you have to do it. Because if I would spend my time worrying about what, what, the, what the haters or the naysayers think about me, I would be all I would, I would be doing, you know. Right. So there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And it's not that strange. I mean, if I were just a guy that played in a band, but I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm I am that guy that will say uncomfortable things and will kind of talk a lot of nonsense and you know be a bit confrontational. And I think that once you're that sort of person, and, and you know, also creatively with music, I mean, I've never been afraid to try new things. I never shied away from pushing my own boundaries and, and trying new styles. If you're that type of person, you can't really um, be bothered with other people's concept of who you should be, you know? Yeah. And, the- um, you know, it's just like, of course, sometimes it hurts. Like you read some shit on the internet and you're like, oh man, that's just, that's just wrong, you know? But at the same time, I mean, I got to be focused on why I play music and why I want to play music and, and sort of like, uh, what drives me creatively and politically and, you know, socially and, and they focus on that. And, I think, as you said about credibility, I think after a while, people like, they might not agree with my politics. They might not agree with everything I released or said. But there's a certain gravity to the fact that I've been doing this for 20 years now. Right. Putting out records, talking shit in interviews, <laughs> putting out, you know, sweaty live performances with different types of bands. And that's just who I am. And if you are a fan of music and really a fan of music, you'll appreciate that and you'll accept that without having to like everything I ever done or agree with everything I ever said. And I think that's like, for me, that, that, I think that's the key point, you know, just like, I mean, I've proven that it's not like, it's not an image uh, on my account that <laughs> I talk about these issues or, or play different types of music. It's just who I am, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I think you hit the, I think you hit on the point where it's like, and, your the longevity in just the fact that you're like regardless of who's paying attention I'm doing this uh yeah. that 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 
speaks volumes to where it's like, okay, if there is some, you know, level of success that a person obtains, um, that, that doesn't necessarily matter because they've been, they've actually been dedicated to this, you know, scene or movement or whatever for, you know, yeah. a long time. It's not like you just came in and were like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what's this? <laughs> no. no, I mean, you know, I've been, I started my first punk band in 1987. And I mean, for years and years, I mean, I mean, I, I took a stab at the big times. Like Noise Conspiracy got signed to Rick Rubin and right. kind of tried to make that happen. It didn't really work out. I, but at the same time, I mean, it's like true story from last year. We're turn, doing the Refuse reunion tour, and it's a fucking big brouhaha, and people are super excited, and we're playing a festival in Germany, playing right before Metallica, and there's like 60,000 people in the crowd. And, and people are, you know, like, as you say, like, people are hardly getting, they're just doing for the money bubble. They don't like the music anymore. We're playing this show. I get in the van right after the show. The other guys stay. And I get in the van. I drive for two hours to Frankfurt Airport. I fly to Copenhagen. I drive across the bridge to Sweden for two hours. I run up on stage. I play with Invasion in front of 20 people at a festival. And the next day, I fly down to, to Italy to play with Refuse. <laughs> didn't get paid. I actually lost money doing that show. I just wanted to play. Right. Like, well, yeah, we're playing a show with Invasion the same day as we're playing fucking Rock and Ring with Refuse. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's make it and work. I mean, I mean... Yeah, let's make it work. And it's like, if you can make it happen and someone is willing to pay you, that's great. If if people listen to the records you put out, that's fucking beautiful. I put out a lot of records that, that no one paid attention to. Right. That's fine. I got <laughs> to put out records. I got to play some shows. I mean, it's just like, right. that's just, that's my motivation, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, this is, this is not from, you know, it's, it's never been about obviously trying to, uh, you know, make, make your money. It's obviously been about something different that has turned into yeah. something where it's like, oh, wow, I can, I can do this for a quote unquote living. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of obviously like, you know, the, the, the refuse stuff that you guys did, you know, the, the world tour and stuff, um, the, I imagine that your head could not wrap itself around the fact that you were playing because I, I saw you guys at the Glass House show in Pomona. You did before the Coachella oh, yeah, stuff, yeah. and that, I mean that show was incredible. It was so much fun. Um, I didn't. I honestly had no desire to see you any other <laughs> any other time, just because of the 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 large largeness of the venues. I'm like, dude, I kind of saw yeah. this awesome intimate experience. You've played in front of large crowds. Was it was it one of those things where you just had to basically like? throw out all your preconceived notions and are just like, well, I, I'm just going to have to act like this is a room of 150 people. It wasn't that much of an adjustment because, I mean, INC, I mean, North Conspiracy, we had our, our fair share of, you know, we played a lot of big shows and we did a lot of festivals and we did a lot of support band tours. And I know how to work a big stage and a big crowd. That's mm -hmm. it's not really an issue for me. But it was definitely a weird situation when you're, um, when the biggest show you play is in front of like 500 kids in some fucking, you know, dingy like youth center in Germany. <laughs> and then you're like, so what's the next show you're going to play? It's going to be Coachella. Right. So it was definitely like for, for the format to take like a band as like a, a garage, garage band, you know, in a hardcore band. It was like definitely like coming from like garage type of background and making into some weird sort of arena rock. It was definitely like a, a very strange challenge and a very uh, surreal. Uh, it was very surreal because it was like this is not really what we intended this music to be like. Right. But then we start playing the big festivals and we start playing the big stages and big venues, and it really worked. Somehow we managed to like harness that weird energy and and make it make sense in, in a big room. I remember the the Pomona show. The Glass House was cool because it was like kind of intimate. And then we played um, the first Coachella weekend. And it was just, you could tell the other guys were not comfortable on the big stage. And it was kind of, we were a bit awkward. And we like, you know, we had doubts. We were like, are we going to pull this off? This is just kind of weird. Right. And then um, in between the two Coachella dates, we did um, the Warfield in San Francisco with the, the Bronx yep. and the Hires. Yep. Fantastic bands. Mm-hmm. And we blew them out of the water that night. Right. <laughs> and it was one of those feelings that, wow, these are bands that are, that are touring fucking rock and roll machines. Mm -hmm. And we pulled it off. And I think that was like that show sort of signified for us that, okay, this is possible. I think this is going to work out. And I, you know, coming home from that first run of the States, because we were like, let's do 
10 shows. Okay, let's do a couple more. And then we ended up doing an entire year because we figured this is, it's actually going to work. Right, but right. It was definitely a transition from, from playing like youth clubs and, and, uh, and basements and, and then, you know, playing festivals and, and big fucking venues. And definitely <laughs> a weird transition to make, yeah. Right, right, right. Do, do you have any specific moments in your head from that, that entire, you know, obviously, like you said, that world tour where it was, you know, it, it, I guess it felt uh, extra surreal, if that makes sense, where it's just like the, you know, was it was it obviously like when you went out to the Coachella stage and you're just like, holy shit, like this is real. I have to do this right now. Um, or or <laughs> was it other moments like, you, you know, that that were that transpired? It could even be these small, intimate moments where you were just, you know, sitting in the van with the rest of the guys being like, this is weird. We're doing this again. I mean, yes and no. It was like. Since I've been doing, I mean, since Refuse broke up, I I've done so much, I toured so much. So right. for me, it's like it, at times I could I could look back and I'm like, oh holy shit, it's those dudes. <laughs> I'm playing shows with these guys. That's fucking un- unbelievable. Right. Uh, and, and I mean, also, because um, I've always been used to a certain amount of um, um, a struggle when you play. I mean, with North Coast players, we were experts at. Uh, Going out to a crowd that was a bit hesitant and a bit, maybe a bit like, all right, let's see who these guys are. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the set, everyone's dancing and everyone's having a good time. And it, it was a bit strange to, when the intro started playing, people went apeshit. <laughs> right. That was it. <laughs> we, we didn't have to play. It was like the intro's on, you know, refuse this here, people go apeshit. I'm like, I, I was not used to it. So I was like, that was a bit weird. I'm not just like, yeah. We won. We didn't even have to play the game. It was just like, <laughs> we won the game as a fucking walkover every night, you know? Right. Um, and that was definitely, there was a couple of times when we were playing shows and I look out in the crowd and I'm like, yeah, wow, people are this excited yeah. about this. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> You're like, you, you you necessarily didn't even need to put on that good of a show and it would have been just no, fine. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fine. We could have put on a pretty lackluster show. We never did, though. It's like, I take great sense of pride in that i i fucking i never do it half-assed yeah and um i don't care if there's like 10 people or 10,000 people i never half-ass it it's right. just like it's so disrespectful i see sometimes you band come out and they're like you know only 100 people showed up and then they start turning the backs to the crowd and they play the short set and then they i mean i'm not like that fucking 10 people showed up i'm pissed off at the other 100 that did not show up right i'll give these people Ten people the fucking best show of their lives. Yeah. So we didn't half-ass it, but we could have. Of course. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every night we could have half-assed it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but that, that that wasn't what you were about because, like you said, you haven't done no, it, no. you haven't done it in the past. So. And I think I think I think with the whole reunion thing, I think it was it was it's, it's a, it was sensitive. It's, it's like it's weird. It meant a lot to a lot of people. Right. And uh, it meant so much to us that. I remember the first meeting we had about doing it. We were just like, this has to be phenomenal. If it's not phenomenal, we should not do it. It's like we owe ourselves. We owe the people that like our music that much. I mean, we worked so hard to make it that good. As you said, like, it's like this band meant a lot to a lot of people and people are used to seeing it in this intimate setting and that's what they want. And we were just like, we don't want to disappoint anyone. At least, least of all ourselves. We don't want to be go out there and be like, as half as it, and then people are like, oh, it's only about the money. But it was never about that. It was always about like, we want to make these songs. We want to do them justice. We want to fucking give the the people that love their band for the past 15 years exactly what they want right and yeah yeah then, which that and, and yeah. honestly like removing all the criticism it's like just as an outside observer i told I, I feel like you guys achieved it and i'm sure you're walked away feeling like you achieve it as well because i think it's pretty transparent because i think people especially this day and age in pop culture i think people are just looking for honesty and it's like anytime you see something dishonest it just it, it's it, there's a little thing that goes off in your head where it's like dude that like I just don't feel right about that for any any people that lob stones at you initially and the band initially. I think that was quieted, you know, within the first you know performance or two, where it's like, oh no, like this is real. <laughs> they they mean they mean this. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be people that that were not impressed. That's just how life is. But all in all, I think that we we really uh, we took it very seriously, and I, I think we really wanted to prove to ourselves that 
because it's a certain thing. Like when you're young and you're angry and you have that youthful energy and insanity just fucking grows inside you and comes out in these amazing <laughs> yeah. bursts. And how how can you do that when you're like? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. How can you how can you recapture you know? that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that I think we did because because one of the things I think we did was that we didn't want to be nostalgic about it. We didn't want it to be like uh, we didn't want to come out with a bag of pants and the striped t shirt <laughs> and be like, yeah, yo, it's nineteen ninety five again. <laughs> Which, right. We were not about that. We wanted to play. A, it was, I know. I was gonna say kind of you, funny, you, but, you, you know. picture right now. That would have been. Absolutely. Like if you if you guys did, you know, your, your typical, you know, uh, shape of punk to come set and then you did, you pulled out like three or four songs from Everlasting and songs to Flay in the Flames and you just dressed up. You dressed up like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the music video you guys did that I'm totally blanking on right now uh, of like, the, you know, the, sl- the slug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the exactly. Break, if you dressed maybe. up like that, I think you would have made so many people be like, holy shit, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think yeah. it would have been fun. And but I mean I think our approach was let's play these songs like we yeah. just play them right now, not try to as you said not fake it, not try to make it into something it's not. This is a bunch of like thirty five plus men playing super <laughs> right. aggressive music in the in the sense that we would play it, and I think that I think that was a good move. Not not try to recapture something, but actually try to right right right. This, this isn't a time capsule. This yeah. is like. This is we we, we want to be vital yeah, for yeah. twenty you know eleven twenty twelve like this this moment. Even though we ended up playing Pump the Break, right, 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 which was great. The last last couple of shows in Sweden. <laughs> right, I, I I love seeing video yeah. of that. I was like, oh, they they had to yeah. do that. Anybody that has done any research on you know like I guess independent music in general. Um, it knows that you know almost every major developed country besides the United States has you know art programs and music subsidies where it's like, you know, that's why obviously you can, you can point to so many black metal bands in Sweden and how they're able to make a living is because they're, you know, living off of government subsidies, helping them to create the music um, that they're creating. Um, Has it, have you, have you personally ever, you know, encountered that or tried to, you know, be a part of that system and has that helped you? Um, Just because I I find it not, not even so much like, you know, trying to uh, point a finger like, oh, you're getting support from the Swedish government. But I just find it so interesting that the United States has fucking nothing like it. And it's like anybody, anywhere else, like Canada, um, you know, all these other places like obviously have, you know, supporting the arts. And I find it so interesting. So did you, do you have experience with that? A little bit. I think the, I think, Sweden used to be way better mm-hmm. doing that. We had a right-wing government for the past six years and not interested in the arts at all. Right. And I think also for, for in Sweden, I mean, it, it, it's usually when you're playing some sort of weird free jazz or you play like more fringe type of music. Okay. Pop cultural music is not so much subsidized by the government. But then there's like study circles you can do and you can, I mean, Sometimes you can get support. I mean, I think Noise Conspiracy got, like, um, the government gave us, like, a tour support on a tour, so they paid for our visas and our plane tickets. And oh, sure. So they do things like that, but that's, it's a while ago, and, and um, it's not... Uh, I think this, that whole um, system is being dismantled a little, little bit because, as I say, we have a right-wing government, and their take on, on culture is very, very different. Mm-hmm. If, if you can't make a living of your culture, of your culture... Then you shouldn't be doing it. But um, we used to we used to be pretty good at supporting our artists and supporting like um, you know making sure that people could tour and travel. And there's still like um, study uh, study circles where there's like uh, you can get money to, to practice with your band. Oh, okay. Not a bad thing. So I mean, we do that even with Invasion. We have a practice space and and we fill out like uh, study circle forms. So we practice three times a week and then we actually can pay. Uh, our, our practice space rental and we can, you know, at the end of the year, we can buy a new guitar amp with the money. So right. there's, there's stuff like that you can do that, that keeps you a little bit more afloat. Right. Um, but I mean, I mean, the harsh reality is that most people that play music and you, you have to get a part-time job, but the way, the way people live, all, you know, live everywhere, you get a part-time job and you play music as much as you can. And then there comes a day when you're like, I can't really you know, I can't really work anymore because I, I don't have the time to do that. Right. I've been lucky. I mean, I was just, for the past 15, 16 years, music is all I've done, just 
play music. Yeah. And, and but that, that meant I had to work twice as hard doing that as well, you know. Because I find, I mean, obviously anybody that's ever toured um, knows that, you know, the, the whole like, you know, band and press cycle and record cycle, like that's a weird, mm-hmm. that's a weird thing. You know, you feel removed from reality. So, you know, like you were joking around earlier where it's like, okay, you know, I'm talking to 10 people in Australia today. Like that's not normal. And you feel removed from reality Um, because you haven't had to like, you know, have some sort of like, you know, day job is the, um, you know, are are there certain things that you do that obviously, you know, kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, like keep you rooted to the, (laughs) the real world, whether it's like, you know, the relationships you have and like, you know, the, you know, whether it's like the musical projects, like obviously, I mean, I could see AC4 being a very, I guess, grounding thing for you. Um, does that, uh, is that something that kind of kicks around your head where it's like, oh man, I got to do some real life shit? Uh, not really. Yeah. I'm pretty, I had a, I had this big, um, 10, 12 years ago, you know, I had friends that could, their bands couldn't really make it. So they had to get real jobs and right. I got into a fight with a friend and said, you should try a real life. And I'm like, but this is a real life. Just my life. It's just different. Right. It's just like I mean, I get up when I want to get up, and <laughs> I live the way I want to live. But it's still real, and I still work hard. And when I work, I work harder than most people. But then I got a certain sense of freedom because um, I don't have a boss. I don't have like to punch in every day. Right. But then there there are periods when I work for like eighteen hours a day because uh, it's just that period. Um. But then, I mean, as you said, I mean, if if you're, I think that if if the refuse thing that happened last year would have happened when I was 22, I think it would be pretty easy to lose your head and, and fucking <laughs> go off in a different sort of trajectory. But I mean, I've been doing this my entire life. I I played music. I I fucking loaded the equipment myself. I tour managed myself. I mm-hmm. you know drove the van on tour and and. Oh, and the next tour I got a Nightliner, but that tour I'm, you know, so it's, I always kept grounded in, in that sense that um, it is what it is. And I mean, right. coming from a punk rock scene, like one of the things that you learn was just like, it's not about being a rock star. It's not about, you know, making tons of money or getting the girls. It's about expressing yourself. And the people you meet on your way up are people you meet on your way down. And one week I'll play the fucking huge venue, and the next week I'll play the small venue. I don't really care. It's just yeah. part of my life. Yeah. yeah, like you were saying earlier, you don't let those def- those outside definitions of success dictate your own personal happiness. Because that's... that's no, when, no, not at all. Yeah, that's when you get trapped. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I live in a small town. I still live in India, and I go out and hang out at the bar with all my friends. It's just like, no one's impressed. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you did that last year. That was kind of cool. Right, Whatever. Right. You know, it's it's and and it's a it's a it's a good thing because it's like sometimes when you hang out in LA, it's like people define you by what you accomplished mm-hmm. and who you know. Right. And here, people define you by what kind of person you are. Right. And I mean, it doesn't matter if I make fucking millions of dollars and I tour the world. If I'm an asshole, people are not going to hang out with me. Right. You got to be a good person, and that's just that's just the one way. I think living up here keeps me grounded. No, it's such a that, it's such a small place, and it's just like it, there's no room for me walking out around in sunglasses and leather pants, screaming like, "Look at me, I'm in the band." I mean, no one gives a shit about right. stuff like that up here. No, yeah. that I, I, I totally yeah, that I could I could easily see that being your grounding experience, where it's just like, yeah, you come home, yeah. and like you said, no one's impressed. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm friends with a few people that work at Razor and Tie, and they were telling me, uh, Pete, Pete Jaberga, he was telling me, yeah, of course. yeah, he was telling me, he's like, hey, he's like, I, I think we're going to be signing Dennis's new project. And I was like, oh, what, what is it? And he told me that's Invasion. And I was like, oh, that's, that's great. Because I had only, I mean, I hadn't heard very much of it. And so the process of like, you know, like you said, I, I, I guess it's one of those things where it's like you... You know, you don't know anything else besides obviously like playing music and, you know, putting it out there. Um, was it was it kind of difficult to sort of be like, all right, well, here's Invasion. Like, you know, you'd been doing it for a while, obviously, but to kind of gear up and be like, all right, let's get a deal in the States and like, let's let's tour over there. and Like, let's do this whole thing. Is it one of those things you have to like, you know, mentally prepare yourself for that whole thing to do again? Or are you you're obviously excited to share the music, but the whole business side of things. I mean, it's it's like um, when we started this band a couple of years ago, I was kind of burnt out on touring a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we 
we got, I mean, as I said earlier, we got signed to American Recordings with, with North Conspiracy. And it right. kind of, I mean, we were one of those horror examples of what, what a major label can do to an up-and-coming artist. So I was a bit tired of the, the whole thing. So, you know, I started AC4 and we started Invasion and, and we said, okay, let's sing in Swedish. Let's just play shows in Sweden and, you know, do that thing. But then once the band started coming together and, and you know, we, we were becoming our own band, I was just like, Oh, this is this is a good band. Fucking people are great and the music is great, and it's we're doing ourselves a disservice if we don't try to take it to the next level. So we did the second record we did. We did an English version of it, and then mm-hmm. Pete got a hold of it I, via Mike Fight or something like that. Yeah, and um, and 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 Pete called me up and he was like, "I want to sign you guys to Race and Tie. I love this sound, and I love what you're doing. Do you want to?" you know, record a new record and we were sort of in, in the in the works of writing new songs. We're like, yeah, let's make that happen. And then the business side of everything, like doing the interviews and doing the press and shooting the videos and shoot, <laughs> shooting the promo shots, it's a part of, of what you have to do as a band. I mean, yeah. I wish you could just only play music and talk to the people that you only want to talk to, but <laughs> right. it, it's fine, you know. it's I don't really mind it that much. Sometimes you get a bit burnt out because sometimes it can take focus away from practicing or, or actually playing. But a lot of times I, I'm kind of fine with it. I don't really mind it that much. It's just a part of the of the game, so to speak. Right. And uh, you know, if you, if you work hard, hopefully, you know, there'll be some sort of payback. Yeah. Because you know, you know as well as me that there's so many great bands, so many talented bands, and they didn't really know how to play the game and they just got lost in the shuffle, you know? Mm-hmm. So many good bands are just like, wow, those guys are going to be great, but then they couldn't get their shit together and go on tour and, you know, they didn't show up when they were supposed to do an interview and then all of a sudden they just fell apart. And it, it's a shame that it has to work that way. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's just a part of, part, of, part of your job and it's a part of what you do. I mean, I'd rather play shows and hang out with my friends, but... You know, I, I don't even mind it that much. Yeah, yeah. Eight interviews, eight, eight interviews straight, it gets kind of tiresome, but, you know, just it, most of the times I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. It, it, it's funny because you're, you're, the attitude and the way you're describing it, um, you know, reminds me of, you know, like what you do when you're, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and, you know, starting your first band and just kind of like, well, yeah, like, you know, the, the, the idea of playing shows and hanging out with friends, like, that's why you start a band. Like, you know, which is, it's just incredible because it's like some people, um, you know, they may lose sight of that at one point or another because they get caught up in some, you know, bigger picture sort of thing, you know, especially with the, the, the most recent stuff that you're doing with Invasion. Um, you know, yeah. it's you, you are as I, I can't remember who put this. Uh, I think I saw someone interact with you on Twitter, but oh, yeah, that's uh, I don't remember who it was. I think, yeah, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses called called yeah. you called you a musical chameleon. And it was one of those things where I was like that. It's it, it's a very uh, it's a very good observation, because obviously all the music you've created, while it still retains the same thread is stylistically very different and especially with what you're doing with invasion now um is it is it funny for you to see people that get into you uh you know whatever see people get into you with invasion and they're like oh i didn't know dennis lixon was a part of these all these other bands um is it is it is it cool for you to see all these people have different jumping off points of where you know what you've done musically i mean it's interesting because i think if if you followed me from you know my early inception to to now with Noise Conspiracy and I do the Lost Patrol band and AC4. I think like the Invasion record will not come like a huge surprise. It won't be like holy shit, that right. guy is just all over the place. Right. But I mean, if you if you're a bit scattered about what I've done, you like you heard a record there, a song here. Yeah, it might seem like I'm doing a little bit of everything, which is fine. As I said, I mean, not everyone is a music nerd as I am. So, I mean, if I like someone, I'll fucking keep track on what they're doing forever. Right. But, I mean, a lot, for a lot of people, it's just like they've heard Refuse or maybe heard Noise Conspiracy, and they, you know, now they hear Invasion, they're like, holy shit, that's just something completely different. One of the cool things about playing in a band and being a musician or artist is you can't decide what people are going to like about what you're doing, and you can't decide, you know, like, um, what they're going to take away from it. Mm-hmm. 
I had people come up, came up to me and like, yeah, this invasion shit is awesome. I don't like what's used at all. And then of course the opposite. So it's like, and it's, and it's fine. And sometimes people will be like, Oh wow, you guys are great new band. I never heard of you guys before. Wow. This is cool. And then they have no idea that I just did like a fucking world tour with refused. It's just like, <laughs> right. for them, it's just like, Oh, it's some guy in a new band. It's cool. You know? So it's like, it's everything. It, it's all good. It's like, right. Whatever you want to bring out of it. It's, it's cool for me. I, you know, I can't really decide. I know that, I love this band. I love Invasion and the people in the band fucking, they're my best friends. They're right. the people we hang out every day. Like, and who wouldn't want to go on tour with your best friends when you have a band that sounds great and you have a record that sounds great. I mean, that's just, that's just a fucking dream. And, you know, to be able to express yourself and to continue to grow and challenge yourself as an artist. Cause that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you play it safe, you know, to put out some hardcore records and do something. And then maybe that'd be more, uh, better career move. Yeah. it's never been about that it's always just been about like i always told my dad when he was telling me like maybe you should write a hit single i was told him like fucking life is an art project and i want to look back at it and see like that i kept the fucking steady line throughout the whole way and and that, that, i guess that's also why people you know i have the credibility that that i have because i always just done my own thing i haven't really worried about trends or or this or that. I just kind of just did my did my music and did my art, and regardless of whether people liked it or not, right. I think that's that's just how I'm going to keep on living my life for, for as long as I can. You know. I also I also think something that's that's very uh, indicative of you know like the ethics that you were obviously raised with and took a part in um, was that being from a small town in Sweden, you never asked permission to um you know like you said start a record label you never you never ask permission yeah, yeah. you never ask permission to put out the straight edges funk comp straight edges fuck compilation <laughs> like there there are so many things that you could have been like okay well i'm not going to do this because i just you know i either don't know how or this this isn't what we do yeah. here but I, I think that's and i think that continues to this day where it's just like you know you you saw the idea of like oh yeah let's let's, let's play some you know Joy Division esque inspired tunes with some of my best friends. Why the fuck wouldn't I do that? Like, of course yeah, I do. Exactly. That. <laughs> of course, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly. I, I'm, I think that's a good point because it's like um, throughout the years, I put out a lot of records. Yeah. Not all of them have been great. I, I'm the first to admit, but I put them out, and that we all have certain talents. And one of my biggest talents and assets has always been the fact that I get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> right. I have friends, but I have friends that are way more talented than I am. They're better singers. They're better guitar players, but they can't get shit done. You know, their records they're gonna might be recorded, but they're never gonna be released. They're never gonna tour. But I, I'm one of those cats that just, I get it. I get it done. Right. I'm very good at organizing shit. I'm very good at like getting everything together, and and I always have like a vision of what I want to do and. I surround myself with good people. Yeah, and then you get stuff done, and that's that's just how I always worked. And as I said, like I, I know I know people that are way more talented than I am. <laughs> right, different talents though. So that's just and as you said, I never asked for permission. I'm like, if I want to put out a record, I'm going to put out a record. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to do polls on the refused Facebook site and like, oh, do you guys think that I should do a band like this? And <laughs> and then people be like, no, please fucking bring back the refused. <laughs> right. I don't really care, you know. Right. Oh, you mean you mean you're not going to, uh, you know, put out put out your next record by uh, fan funding? Yeah, I might, but might not actually refuse. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, you, you, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I love the fact that people are so passionate about that band. Right. And in all honesty, a lot of people that like refuse, they've been following my career for a long time. A lot of people that like refuse, they still come out to check out to see what I do. I'm fucking super grateful for that. A lot of people who like Refuse, they fucking love Refuse, and that's it. And I'm fine with that as well. I, you know, if your favorite band is like Hate Beating Refused, of course Invasion is not going to be up your alley. I'm right. just, that's not, that's fine. You know, if you want to be like, I fucking love it, have it hard and fucking aggressive. Yeah, I don't think you're going to like this record. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is, this one is not for you guys. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but that's fine. I mean, I wish in a perfect world that everyone that loved Refuse is open-minded and they have the fucking great music palette that I have and they like everything, but that's not the case. I mean, 
and, and I'm fine with it. But it's cool. I love the fact that the, the Refused fans are very passionate about our band. Right. They 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 love Refused. Yeah. Kind of like Slayer, you know. But that's like right. understandable though. If if I I wouldn't want to see fucking Tom Araya do some weird post punk band. That'd be <laughs> awkward. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a very good point. But that also yeah. that brings a very <laughs> funny mental image of him playing. Yeah, some post punk. That's amazing. Yeah. Some eyeliner. Like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that'd be incredible. And I mean, I, and I mean, I've been that guy. I remember years and years and years ago. Uh, Rage Against the Machine just put out their first record. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it was barely out. And me and four of my friends, I think David from Refused and some other kids, we went down to Stockholm because we wanted to see Zach from Inside Out's new band. Right. And throughout the show, we were just screaming, no spiritual surrender. <laughs> throughout the entire show. So good. And then like four months later, Rage Against the Machine was the biggest band in the world. And we were like, oh yeah, it's Zach from Inside Out's new band. <laughs> I've been, I've been that guy. <laughs> I, you know, because so many people, it's like they, refu- they, they refuse to, um, you know, acknowledge uh, certain people by, uh, you know, what, what they've done in the past, where it's just like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, you know, because that's obviously like, you know, Zach would never refer to himself as like, oh, yeah, I, I was the dude from Inside Out. But, you know, people, people, people like you and I, we will always yeah. look at him through that lens. We'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, you- always. <laughs> Which, which is incredible and it's just like well you know i guess that i guess that's the hardcore kid in us we can never take it out yeah. of us so, i mean so i mean it's also you know it also uh i mean it gives me great understanding to why kids you know would not be into this or yeah. why kids would be confused by what i'm doing which is fine mm-hmm. so so i understand i understand the hecklers i've been one of them right it's all good <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you're like I, I get it. I'm not going to look down on you. Just, just know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just, just know that invasion is not for you. Maybe, maybe, exactly, maybe, yeah. maybe check out the latest AC4 record. You might be into that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or give it a couple years. Give right. It a couple years, yeah, yeah. you might get it. You know. <laughs> totally. Wait. You know, maybe, maybe your 16 year old brain can't comprehend this, and maybe your 19 year old brain will be able to. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it, I mean, it has happened to a lot of us. I mean. You buy a record and you're like, holy shit, this is horrible. And you bring it out like five years later, you're like, wait, yeah. I, this is an amazing record. So, I mean, it's like, it's a sense of like, uh, I wouldn't say maturity in that sense, but it's just like a sense of uh, what you hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you, your diff, your references change and your, your perspective change. And maybe when you heard the record the first time, you were fucking angry and you heard the record the second time, you were in a different place. So it made more sense. I mean, that's just the also one of the cool things about music yeah no i, I, have, a, I have a friend uh we, we did the band called the lost patrol band it was like yep. a power pop band that we did yep and i have a friend that's like a super crusty crust punk and we released the record on my label i sent 20 copies to his, to his fucking crust punk store <laughs> and he sent them back <laughs> and he's like i can't fucking sell this at my store it's too poppy right and two years later he calls me up and he's like Lost Patrol Band is like my favorite band. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like two years later, I, I guess he's breaking up with some girl and so he heard the songs and he was like, wow, I love this. But two years before that, he fucking returned them to me. He's like, there's no way I can sell these records. Right. I mean, this is poison. <laughs> Yeah, it changes. Oh, Your mind changes. No, it to- it totally does. I I, I always re- I always think of like I think the first time I heard Neurosis was when I was like maybe sixteen or seventeen, and I just I couldn't wrap my head around it. It's like I, I heard through I heard through Silver and Blood, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I I don't get this. But then like but then like I think maybe not even two years later. I remember, I so distinctly remember this. I stayed home sick from school, and for whatever reason, I listened to Times of Grace, and was just like what the, f- this is fucking incredible. And it's like, yeah, two years makes a world of difference in your teenage yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, it's, it's, but that's, that, that's why we love music. That's yeah. why we keep every day coming back to music. That's why we think about music, talk about music all the time. I mean, for, for me, like a lot of people, like, I mean, I'm the political outspoken person. Yeah, I think a lot about politics. I think way more about music. Music yeah. uh, and soccer, but that's the, totally different discussion but i mean music is is something that's why i still play in bands that's why i mean that's why i'm still here because i love music right i love music you know i just every day it's just i want to find new songs new tracks new new records new sounds it's just like i love music and Mm -hmm. i think that's also why 
the music that I created myself was very eclectic because I, I just love music. I've never been satisfied with just, right, this is what I want to play. This is what I want to do. I always, I've been curious. I always been like, let's try that and let's see if I can do this and push myself. And just because I love music, you know, it's just, it's, right. and that, that, that's just, uh, as the simple, simple truth of the matter. That's why Invasion is, is a great band because we love music. We love to play music. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, I think that's the most important lesson to take away from anything. So, well, Dennis, yeah. I really, really appreciate you hanging out and doing this for, uh, for as long as you did. <laughs> no worries. So there's Dennis. Great guy, right? I mean, just such a, such a nice guy. It's so down for the cause. And, you know, he's just basically the same person as obviously he was when he first started getting into this. But, you know, maybe a little better dressed than what he was when he was 16 or 17 years old. I hope you enjoyed that trip down memory lane, as well as, obviously, being exposed to his new band. Honestly, check it out. Like, if you're a fan of anything of that genre, like the post-punk, like I said, Joy Division, New Order, Interpol, that sort of stuff, you will undoubtedly like this new record. So check it out, because I know Dennis would appreciate it. PropertyZack.com, 100wordspodcast.com, and that way you can email the show and interact with us on a weekly basis, as well as find out about fun stuff that I post throughout the week. Usually it's uh, in relation to music or movies or pop culture, that sort of stuff. And the editor for this episode, as always, is Tom Richfield. Until next week, be safe, everybody. Be safe, everybody.